Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Forever. Hello, welcome back to Relatively Healthy, everyone. I've missed you so much. Oh my God, you're so cute. I forgot. Oh, wow, the midterms, huh? So I'm a very good person. I took a break to Canvas on weekends. Oh, God, once, but also phone banking, but also I'm a good person. Um, But anyway, now that we're all in a much better mental space, this podcast is back and I'm so, so excited because it's the joy of my life. The listeners are the best people who ever lived. And I'm so excited for all the topics that have been bubbling up in terms of what I want to talk about, people I want to talk to. We are getting into it. And today we are getting into it with someone that I pretty much just straight up stalked on Instagram and asked to be on the pod. Uh, Her name is Bethany Wheeler. She's a registered and licensed dietitian based out of Georgia. She specializes in eating disorders, body image, and sports nutrition through social and health justice lenses. So the reason why I was so compelled to bring her on the show is that I, like everyone listening, grew up with very bizarre uh, ideas about health and weight and bodies, and it was a lot of margarine and uh, diet Oreos, and that was sort of like my basis for health. And through the years, when you become an adult and you do your research, you realize, oh, yeah, I know a lot of bad, well, I shouldn't say bad, like misinformed things. Um, And now we're at a point where everyone on Instagram is a health expert, and everyone on Instagram knows the answer and uh, no one knows anything except my guest maybe. So we have on Bethany, she's going to tell us all about how to parse through the BS we're fed, the BS we believe, and how to be more accepting and loving of ourselves because, hey, that is what it's all about at the end of the day. So I hope you enjoy. All right, everyone, we are here with Bethany Wheeler. She is a registered and licensed dietitian. I just checked with her and uh, made sure I screwed that up as I was saying it. Thank you so much for being here, Bethany. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's so awesome to be here. This is great. I So I'm a huge fan from Instagram, which uh, is really cool because I try to follow like a lot of positive forces and informative forces and you've really stood out to me as someone who I think everyone should follow for like really informed learning about body image nutrition all things health so uh thank you for all the stuff you post there first of all before we talk thank thank you thank you that's uh kind of one of the reasons why I started Instagram I I wasn't on it initially it took some time for me to even get on it um but yeah it's it's a way to get out some 
some credible information um, and hopefully from a, a helpful perspective. Yes, there's a lot of we'll talk about that, but there's a lot of the opposite <laughs> of that on Instagram. So I appreciate oh, it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So for people who don't know, what does a dietitian do? How do you describe your job? Yeah, so um, so I'll actually I'll kind of throw out two different definitions. Um, so the first one, yeah, I'll give kind of a little bit more of a formal definition, which a, a lot of people might be more familiar with. Um, so dietitians, and, and now this is kind of the, in the way in which I was trained, um, but dietitians are trained to provide advice, um, supposedly counseling. I think sometimes that can happen, um, but around how a person eats, what a person eats, um, nutrition, uh, what role that can play in the body. Um, they also can, can provide what's called medical nutrition therapy, which is really utilizing nutrition to try to either treat or navigate or manage, um, you know, certain health conditions where that may be applicable or certain illnesses. Um, so that's kind of a, a more formal definition. Um, what I'll, I'll say the type of dietitian that I have evolved to, um, being is a bit different from that formal definition. So yes, I still, um, and registered, I still have my licensure in place. Um, but through, through years of experience um, and working just with a lot of fellow human beings, um, the way that I practice has shifted quite a bit. So what I do um, as a dietitian is I provide a space and I can provide guidance for individuals to explore their relationship with food and nutrition and their body. Um, in my practice specifically, this can extend to a person's relationship with exercise or physical activity or movement, which is usually how I like to frame it. Um, as so, my scope has a, a bit broad is a bit broader um, with my experience and degree in exercise physiology. So I'm kind of able to expand that a little bit. Um, and throughout this process, um, the, like my practice and the care that I provide can involve medical nutrition therapy. So using that nutrition to, um, assist in managing, navigating or treating certain illnesses. Um, but it's, but yeah, I, I, um, so yeah, I'm a pretty informal practitioner, I would mm -hmm. say, um, which is just suits me better. It's more my style. Um, I think a lot of times dietitians, and and rightly so, the stereotype is that they're the food police or that they're going to tell someone what to eat or judge someone for what they're eating. And I will definitely be the first to say that, unfortunately, that is how a lot of dietitians practice. Um it's how we, a lot of us were trained. So in that sense, like I can have a bit of compassion, um, because that's exactly how I was trained as well. Um, but that's not proven to be an effective approach when it comes to assisting other people with improving their health and wellness. Yeah. So what was that training like? What, what were you taught that, um, that you see also is just like the common training people receive to go into this field? Yeah. So, um, so it definitely like the, my training, um, 
it, it did involve a lot of science. Um, there's a lot of science background, so a lot of biochemistry and whatnot. Um, and, and so I had to have that foundation first. And then my training moved into, okay, well, how do we translate this um, to other individuals? How does the, you know, how do we then work with other people to, so that nutrition can, um, can help them or benefit them. Um, I would say, unfortunately, a lot of times that's centered around a person's weight Mm -hmm. or, or using, um, body mass index. So the BMI scale, um, and which is like super unfortunate. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, like a lot of trainings, not all, but a lot of them are just kind of revolved around that. Um, and it, you know, it, it makes sense. It still sucks. Um, it makes sense though, uh, because that's what a large part of, you know, health care and the medical field is kind of revolved around. So it's kind of, kind of just lean towards that way. Um, so yeah. So, um, the other part of my training I would say is we have, so dietitians have to go through an internship. It's a, an accredited internship. Um, most of them or majority of them are unpaid. Uh, actually we have to pay to do them, Really? Um, which is kind of messed up. Um, yeah, we're, we're paying to provide labor, um, in a sense. So it's, it's quite oppressive and unfortunate. Um, so yeah, so, so we do, you know, there is that level of training, but, um, I think it's really important to point out the, the kind of, um, details along with getting, you know, internships and doing internships. And, um, and so I'll say too, like, because interns have to pay to complete an internship, that means that it, they're not equitable and they're not accessible to a lot of people, which is really right. unfair. Yeah. And it creates a lot of exclusivity, exclusivity mm-hmm. in our, in our field, which I mean, which is not okay. And that's, I mean, when we think about the, the diversity of human beings that exist, um, you know, in this world and especially within our, our own, um, area, like it, it's, it doesn't lend itself well, um, to be able to work with, with a variety, you know, people with a variety of backgrounds and, um, ethnicities and races. So it really, yeah, it's, um, and that's one thing that I, I'm really passionate about is like trying to, to promote, um, diversity in our field because we need it. I mean, it just, it just makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this in depth, but your approach is very mindful of being a practitioner who understands inclusivity and is sensitive to it. So it makes a lot of sense that it would matter that the practitioners also in the industry are thinking about that professionally. So that's a really interesting thing. I'm sure listeners, I didn't realize that it's like, I've gone through improv comedy training and like I complain about having to pay to take classes. So it's like, oh, yeah, this is also a career that actually uh, has import on people. Um, So Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know the difference between a dietitian and uh, a nutritionist. So what are the differences? So this (laughs) I was trying to think about this gets kind of complex. Um, And the reason for that is so the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which is kind of the the governing body per se, um, of registered dietitians, um, quite probably was five or so years ago. They, they changed, um, or kind of, um, brought into the, 
um, legality of like terms, um, to include nutritionist as part of like our terminology, um, our like label as a profession. So that kind of adds to the complexity. So I'm going to try to, to, um, help explain it. So we have, um, either a registered dietitian or what can also be called a registered dietitian nutritionist. So both of those things are the exact same thing. Um, they are different from just a nutritionist. So you have, you can have an RD or a registered dietitian nutritionist, RDN, um, and then, you know, there can be a nutritionist. So with the registration or the registered part of that, that means that somebody has undergone, um, or has gone through, um, training, you know, they've, typically have a degree of some sort um, in nutrition or dietetics or biochem, something like that. Um, And they've also completed that internship. And so once you complete that internship and then you pass your kind of um, examination, kind of like a board exam in a sense, that gives you that credential of being a registered dietitian or a registered dietitian nutritionist. And it's up to the practitioner to decide which – which labeling or which acronym to use. Um, then we have like a nutritionist would be somebody who, um, well, and this can get kind of messy even. So each in each state, it can be a little bit different. Um, yeah. So in Georgia, we have licensure laws. So we have to not only be registered, we also have to be licensed in each state that we practice. Um, so, um, yeah, so, Typically, typically, I will say a nutritionist um, often does not have that completed internship, and they haven't set for that um, board exam. Um, they they may or may not have a degree or some type of you know some level um, of formal education there, and they don't even necessarily have to have that formal education, but they can um, to be able to kind of turn them term themselves nutritionist. Um, and what I will also say is like yes you know, that to an extent, the education that I have, um, and more so the continuing education that I, that I get is really important, um, and has been really valuable. Um, but what I will say is, you know, having access to formal education. And like I was mentioning, like with our internships, just having access to be able to pay for that kind of a thing is, is a privilege. And so it really, like I used to get all up in arms about, oh my gosh, don't see a nutritionist. Blah, blah, blah. And, and that has actually changed quite a bit. Mm. Um, because there, there are people that are registered dietitians and they're licensed. Um, and, what they do, I would actually consider to be harm. Um, so I really think that it depends on the provider, um, on the clinician, because there, there are people out there who have really great training, um, and really valuable knowledge and they're, they're doing some really amazing work, but they just don't have, you know, those letters behind their name. Um, and so I, yeah, that's something I recently have, kind of been exploring, um, in and of myself is just like the privilege around credentials, Mm. uh, with healthcare providers. So, so I definitely want to throw that out there, um, too, because, you know, there are people who, who do call themselves or who are nutritionists, um, and they're actually really qualified in what they do. They just may have not had the access to, you know, to then do that internship or whatnot. Um, so, yeah. That's interesting. I never knew about yeah. that. 
if you yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds really complicated. So I guess like if someone were to seek you out, I guess you are it sounds like from what you've described, you have diverged from your training and that you are more weight inclusive and just more inclusive and sensitive in general to some of the things that may have been lacking in like the textbook part of your education. Mm -hmm. Um, So what, let's say someone came to your office and I'm curious one, like what would be like a common concern they have, but two, like if they were like, I want to lose weight, how do you approach that? Like, how do you approach health? How do you approach that kind of conversation? That really great question. Um, so, so I'll kind of start with the that first um, question of like what um, I think it was like what what are some common concerns that people may come mm-hmm. um, or reach out to me with, um, and so for for my practice in particular, and I think it's important to state that dietitians tend to kind of have their niches or their areas of specialty, um, and I think it's really important if possible to be able to find a dietitian with, you know, with that niche or with that specialty. Um, and also knowing that that can be a challenge. So, um, so kind of preface, um, kind of my niche with that. So typically, um, with my practice, individuals will reach out if they're really, um, kind of struggling with their relationship with their body, with, um, the relationship with their food or even exercise. And it doesn't, it doesn't even have to, um, you know, a person doesn't have to be diagnosed with the eating disorder per se to come and see with me. It's really any type of dysfunctional relationship. And they're noticing that it, it seems to be impacting their daily life. And they're just having a really hard time kind of navigating life um, with, you know, with that dysfunctional relationship. So that tends to be like, um, what a lot of clients come to see me for. Now, in addition to that, there there could be nutrient deficiencies, there could be food allergies or intolerances, um, GI or like stomach issues. Um, there, there oftentimes is a lot of confusion around what to eat because there's just a lot of information and misinformation out there. Um, and that can just be really hard, um, to, to decipher through. Um, I also work with athletes. Um, and so these may, you know, these are athletes that they may have some, some dysfunctional relationship with exercise or their body, or they may not. They're just, you know, unsure of really how to fuel themselves so that they can, you know, do what they want to do within their sport. Um, it can get, I will say, um, it can, it, I don't want to say it can be challenging. Um, but I certainly, you know, there are certainly individuals who, who have uh, reached out, you know, who have that desire for, you know, to lose weight or to change their body composition, um, or what have you. And so I think it is really important to, to be able to hold space for that within my practice and with what I do. So, you know, I'm not, I do, I definitely do not consider myself to be a weight centered or a weight normative, um, provider. I'm a weight inclusive provider. So, you know, that means that, regardless of a person's body size, they deserve the respect, um, and the dignity and the right to proper health care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and also recognizing that we live in a world where discrimination based on weight, um, and weight bias are pervasive. And we live in this, you know, what a lot of my colleagues and I call diet culture. So it's, it is 
all around us. And so recognizing um, and validating that, you know, there, there may, there, we do live in kind of this, um, this world where a lot of pressure is placed on our bodies. Um, and they're constantly, we're constantly being given messages that we have to change, um, our bodies or our bodies, you know, or we're not worthy or, or we don't have value as a human being if we don't, you know, meet for not a certain size or, um, or even if we don't engage in certain health behaviors. So, so I, you know, I like, and I, I can say, um, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of providers. I don't want to speak for other people, but um, I'll say it's not uncommon, um, and myself included. You know, for us to, as providers to have, we've been in 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 that as well. Um, and we're you know we're not immune to diet culture either. Um, so yeah, so just having um, empathy and and validation, and like I said, just holding space for that desire. Um, and if you know if the clients that I tend to work with now, they're kind of, they're in a place where they, they want to explore that a little bit more. Um, and you know, again, that there is no judgment around the desire to, to get, you know, to want to continue to try to pursue weight loss. Um, I, like, I don't think it's, it's okay for, for a human to be judged, um, anyways, cause that's their autonomy. That's their body autonomy. And I, I respect that. Um, and we just, you know, kind of work through that and what that means to them. So it's a little complex, uh, long answer to that. But um, yeah, so I don't, I don't practice in a way that, you know, where we center a person's weight um, in their care. I actually don't even have a scale in my office. I don't, mm. I don't, I don't weigh clients. Um, that has, and and the research. There's enough research, plenty of research, um, to back that up, um, to back up that, you know, our health, like our weight is not an indicator of health status. And there's so many other things to examine and to look at. Um, and I'll say too, like I, I started practicing the way that I was trained, um, where I, I did center, um, care around a person's weight. And I got to a point where, like things just weren't working <laughs> number one. Um, and like, just to, just to be with those fellow humans, you know, in, in my office and like it, it, it yeah, I mean, it just didn't work. It, it was really degrading, um, on their self-worth and, um, and it just wasn't sitting well with me. Um, and so I was like, something's not like, this isn't right. Um, even though this is like, I'm kind of doing it by the textbook, like this just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of when I started exploring like, okay, there's gotta be something else here. Um, some other approach, some other way to, uh, to approach health and, and there is. Um, so I'm, you know, thankfully that that was, that I was able to find that. Um, yeah. I can't even re- remember exactly yeah. when or where, but, um, but I'm, I'm like, I'm just so thankful for, for that occurrence. That's awesome. I just think that's a, that's a reason why a lot of people I think are scared to go to a dietitian or a nutritionist is that it would just be like, yeah, I could fill out a food journal and step on a scale, but I pretty much, yeah. I can predict how that's going to go. And for those of us who have tried to lose weight and go on the scale, I mean, it just, you hit it. It's like your self-worth is tied into it. It can be very degrading. So, you know, you got to like define health in some other way because that just takes out of 
play so many factors in health and self-worth that, you know, saying we're not even going to participate in that seems like a way better approach. Um, I was going to ask you, too. So, like, for a person, like a like a, a person in the world, we all are part of what I think you dub so well, diet culture. I'd never heard that term. And I think we both... Everybody on some level perpetuates it and participates it and is a victim of it. And it sometimes just feels so hard to unpack. Like I think about my own experience and how when I was 12, I was taught a certain body ideal. And I never knew that in my 30s, I'd still be struggling with how to reconcile being a feminist and wanting to be inclusive and understanding and also like participate in a society where that's everywhere. Yeah. What advice do you have for maybe for listeners who are just like, how do I begin to just unpack all this, the information I've been fed and like all of the beliefs that I've been, this culture is just embedding in us constantly? Yeah. Um, ab- yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I can speak to that. I've, I, you know, I do that in my practice and I've done it um, and continue to do it for myself. So I, I would say, I think um, a place that it that is really helpful is coming from a place of self-compassion and self-validation. So a lot of, you know, and I, I know this for myself too, like we can, we can blame ourselves and we can get, be really hard on ourselves for, you know, engaging in or having engaged in diet culture. And we, you know, if we take a step back and, and look at, you know, a lot of us, from the get go. I mean, and and for some people, like, literally coming out of the womb, they, they were exposed to diet culture, they were exposed to oppression. And that's kind of like the the bigger picture, like diet culture is a form of oppression. Um, And so it's, it's a system that, that a lot of us were born into or conditioned into. And so it was something that we didn't have control over, you know, we didn't, we didn't purposely expose ourselves to it. Um, and so I think, you know, having, being able to have compassion, um, for ourselves and that this is not our fault. Um, we didn't, you know, we didn't cause it. Um, we were kind of just, this is the cards that, that were dealt for us and it's, and it sucks. Um, and, and that's where that validation comes in. Like, yeah, it can suck. Um, and it, it can, and, and has been really hard. Um, and like, I think knowing too, that there is something else out there, um, that there is a, a much different approach, um, out there that I know, at least for me, um, just like sits well, sits better with me, like with my intuition and I'm a a pretty intuitive person. Um, and something that just is, you know, again, it's not tied up in your self-worth and something that, um, like an approach that really values all human beings, um, you know, irregardless of their health status or their, their weight, um, or that kind of a thing. But I think, yeah, just, just, having that self-compassion, which, um, can be really challenging to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, it took me, it took me years to be able to even like try to tap into that. Um, I'll, I'll throw out like one resource that, um, was really helpful for me. There's a a researcher who's kind of made self-compassion her, her research, um, kind of baby and that's Kristen Neff. So Mm -hmm. like if you 
type in Kristen Neff self-compassion. Um, and I think she has a book as well. Um, but that was very, very helpful and has been very helpful for me to kind of understand what that self self-compassion, um, is. And then, you know, kind of weaving that into unpacking, um, just how conditioned, you know, I at least was in my own diet culture and, um, and then we, you know, also working with clients too. I think the, another thing uh, that I do, um, that I tend to do quite a bit with clients is we talk about their values. Um, and a lot of times diet culture does not fit with, with their, you Mm -hmm. know, core values. Um, and so, yeah, so identifying those and, and then trying to, to realign, um, themselves, you know, with those values, with those things that are really important to them in their life. So, um, I found that that can, that can be helpful as well. And then I, you know, another thing that I would say is I think just knowing that there is a community that is weight inclusive, um, that takes a a non-diet or anti-diet approach. Um, I think just knowing that that community even exists can be really helpful and, and then tapping into that community. Um, I know that has been really instrumental and is still very instrumental, um, in my own life. So, you know, if, if a person has access to social media, especially like this is really one of those great things about social media, um, that it can connect people, um, to, to that community. So, um, yeah, I'm trying, they're like a whole host of, of individuals and organizations and companies out there. Um, but knowing that, that, you know, that that community is out there has been really helpful. Um, and that, and in that way too, like we don't, it's not as isolating, um, because, because in the, in the world and society that we live in trying to take a very different approach to health, it can be very isolating. I mean, I I know even in my profession, um, there are times where it feels really isolating and I can feel like I'm the only one like having this approach. Um, but you know, thankfully there is that community and, um, you know, a lot of times it's just knowing people who are, are across the country, but I know them, um, you know, we've connected via social media or, or email or, you know, uh, Skype or whatever. Um, so that's been really powerful and really helpful. That's really interesting what you said about values, because that's something that I am sure most people, when you really think about it, that's a struggle. There's a definite distance there yeah. between your values and some of the things you just say to yourself or believe about yourself that you don't yeah. want to participate in it because you know, that's not, you know, your best self or who you are, or what you really think or, by mm-hmm. by participating, it sometimes it feels like you become complicit in perpetuating it, even if you're just trying to like keep swimming along. Because yeah. I know, especially when it comes to body image, I mean, there's such a narrow definition of the ideal body, and the less we, you know, challenge those beliefs and just sort of like take it in, the harder it becomes to untangle it. It just feels like so yeah. much work to to get past those such long held beliefs, even if, you know, I think there's like progress. And I do think on social media, I see so many inspirational people who are, you know, shunning the, the old school ideal, but it is, Mm -hmm. it's just a lot to unpack. So yeah, finding people online who agree with you on not participating in it is very encouraging. And just like, yeah, I like when people are honest about it. Like, Hey, we all struggle with this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, and that, 
yeah, I mean, I, and I, you know, working with my clients, um, and just in life in general, like, um, you know, I, I am right there with them, you know, with, with the struggle I have been there. I, I am, you know, there at times. And so it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's just having, having that community, you know, collaborating together. Um, yeah, just so that, cause we're not alone in it, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're not alone. Um, and even though it can feel that way. Yeah. So we've also mentioned, I mean, there's so many trendy diets and people trying to sell you things. And sometimes you think you can trust a, a person, an authority, because they're wearing maybe scrubs on TV, not that I'm naming anybody. And <laughs> then all of a sudden they start selling you something that's a health solution or a diet solution. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that people are not able to access quality information um, where there isn't Mm -hmm. some person making money off the other side. Like it just feels like the entire health slash weight world, everything is commodified. It's super hard not to know. It's super hard to know who's not a snake oil salesperson. So what advice do you give to people when it comes to just like knowing how to sniff out bullshit and, and get good information? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good, good question. Um, and I'm trying to think of, of giving a, you know, as, uh, summarize of an answer as I can. Um, yeah, that's a super good question. Um, I mean, my philosophy is like, if they're selling you something, do not listen to them at all. Like, just write them off. Yeah. And that, that's usually like one of those, you know, kind of major red flags. Like if, if they're trying to sell you something and they're, um, they're really just kind of like hounding you about it. Like they, you know, it's just like they continued, you know? Um, yeah. So that, that's definitely a red flag. Um, I feel like even for myself, like I've just, I, those things are just, so, so like being able to identify those things is such a part of me now that sometimes it's hard to recognize like, oh yeah, that is, that is a loadable. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cause you probably just go back to the principles. Like, you know, the deal. So when someone says, Hey, this right. is like a fast solution or like, this is the answer. You're like, no, it's not. I'm not going to put that in my coffee every morning. And all of a sudden right. my life is different. You know, it's like much bigger picture. Yeah. Than that. Yeah. So, I mean, the, like those exaggerated claims, um, like, you know, this is going to change your life, change your world, um, kind of a thing, or that like, you're going to be able to, you know, and a lot of them are, are around, you know, body weight and body size. So being able to like change your body size in like a really short amount of time. Um, and yeah, I mean, just, yeah, just a lot of like, if it's too good to be true, <laughs> It usually is. Right, right. Um, that's that's kind of one rule of thumb in a sense um, that I will say um, a lot of times. But yeah, I mean, I a lot of a lot of it, unfortunately, like just comes down to to the greed, um, like the greed and power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so usually, like I even try to like trace it back um, to that. And I think, you know, I'm at a at a, a place where, you know, I, I am able to just because I've had access to the education to be able to learn this, like I'm, I'm able to, to take those claims and really dive a lot deeper and look at if, well, 
if there is any research or evidence that they are utilizing to make those claims, um, that's a, another thing. Like if, if you can't find any type of like study or anything, um, that's, that's also a red flag. Um, and even a lot of times they will try to use that because, you know, those snake oil salesmen mm-hmm. sales people are really clever. So they will, they like, they figure out like what people are trying to look for and then they try to manipulate that. So they may even try to like throw out, um, a, a study that, you know, helps quote unquote support their claim. Um, and so, you know, then, um, being able to like actually look at that particular study and then, you know, amongst all of the, um, the other data. So like, like I said, I'm at a place where I, I'm able to do that. And that's one thing that I really work with clients on because, yeah, you know, that's, that's a, a skill that I have that I can provide, um, to help them, you know, decipher and navigate through that, through that information or misinformation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so really be able to, um, I'm a very, I do like my research. Um, and I also will say there are limitations to research, um, but it's still, it can still be helpful. So I, I like to get down to the nitty gritty of it. Um, if, isn't, you know, am I wrong that like some research is funded by food companies that, that be- goes mainstream, like there's yeah. a lot of stuff too in that where you're like, I don't even know yeah. if this is right. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. And so that, you know, and that not all research is created equal <laughs> either. Um, so really like really being able to, to read past the BS. So I, and, and you're absolutely right. Like there is so much and it, it can be infuriating at times. Um, so much bias in research and like, yes, you know, we all have a degree of implicit bias. Um, there is just so much explicit bias that, that unfortunately like researchers have not done the work around checking. Um, and again, it usually comes down to money. Yeah, um, yeah that makes sense. But yeah, so I mean, a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot places with a lot of money, um, can fund research. So that's, yeah, that's where I think like full disclosure is really important. Um, and, and like there, there are definitely researchers out there who, you know, who do research that are funded, um, and they have, you know, they have ethics and morals and they're able to, to do their research job and not be influenced by, by the money. Um, but, but there are definitely, unfortunately, those out there that are, um, and that's, that's a lot of times where, you know, going back to the, the weight loss or the weight, um, centered research is, um, that, I mean, you can, you can trace it back to, um, to companies cause, uh, oh, quote unquote, I don't use the term obesity, but, um, other people do. So the quote unquote obesity, um, kind of, uh, field, um, is, is big money. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of money to be made in, in quote unquote obesity, like treatment. Um, Interesting. but it's so oppressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so oppressive. So yeah, so that, that absolutely is another, another place. And yeah, again, it, it taps down into the money. Um, yeah. And, and there is, so well, shout out to like one of my colleagues, Maria Paredes. She wrote an article um, a while back. It was more more directed towards you know f- providers like therapists and dietitians, but um, just talking about like marketing weight inclusive practices and weight inclusive services, um, and that it's 
quite like it can be challenging because it's quite different from, you know, from mainstream kind of capitalistic ways of marketing. Um, and it like and there it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely can be challenging because it it's not not always like catchy or right. um, draws you in immediately, you know, like. So, yeah, I mean, and that's just kind of the nature of it. Um, but it, it definitely, you know, say even if it's not catchy or, or whatnot, um, or quote unquote, you know, so visually appealing, like there may be a lot more authenticity there. Yeah. Um, there's so many people, oh, sorry, there's so many people. I know I was just like thinking about intermittent fasting when you were talking about this, because mm-hmm. I feel like there's these waves that everybody rides where someone says it works and then everyone follows. And then yeah. there's, you know, a New York Times article about it six months later, like, have you heard about this thing everyone's doing? And more people try it and then it goes away. And yeah. I've, in my own experience, I've just learned not to get on board with any of those things because I just think like how many of those things I've tried that have proven not to be a long-term solution rooted in dealing with like health and unpacking my biases toward my body and, mm-hmm. you know, all those, the deeper stuff to me is always how do I feel about myself and how does that play into like ideas that have been fed to me and how can I be better to others as opposed to, yeah, I only eat eight hours a day and I uh, miserable the other 16. So I'm pretty happy. Thanks. You know, right. (laughs) Um, so if people want or interested in going to a dietitian, it sounds like from what we've discussed, there's a lot of, there are a lot of variables at play and some, may be in it for different reasons or have different approaches. Like how would someone even know how to start looking for someone and what should they expect of a dietitian? Um, yeah. So, and I, I will, I will say, you know, I can speak from what to expect from, from a weight inclusive, um, dietitian or someone who practice practices from a health at every size, um, kind of, uh, philosophy. Um, so, and, and, and before, you know, I get to that, I will say it, it is really hard. Um, you know, it, it is so hard to try to navigate that. So, you know, I, and you know, I'll even, I'll kind of put myself out there. Like if, if someone is really struggling with trying to find, you know, somebody who can provide really, you know, inclusive and compassionate care, like that is, that is one thing that I, that another thing that I'm really passionate about is just, being able to connect individuals with providers um, and providers that are, are not going to do harm, that are going to really help them. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if, you know, there are listeners who are like, I, I've tried, I just cannot find anybody. I don't even know where to start. Um, like they're please, like they're more than welcome to, to reach out to me. Um, and that I can kind of connect them in different places. Cause I, I know the struggle. Um, I know the struggle for sure. Um, I, you know, I would say if they do, you know, if they do come across somebody and they're like, oh, okay, I, is this going to be a, a, a provider that, um, that I want to work with? Um, I think, you know, asking them, I think asking them what they're, their philosophy around nutrition and food and body weight is, um, I think, um, and, and, and I will say like, it can be, it can be a challenge too, because a lot of times people will say what you want to hear and -hmm. then you, you know, get into their office and then it's completely different. Um, and that, that like, I hate that that happens. Um, 
and I, you know, I don't want to throw that out there to, um, to kind of, you know, in, increase the distrust. But, um, you know, I think it's important to recognize that, that that may be out there, but, yeah. um, it's yeah, like, I mean, yeah. I, oh, sorry. I was well, say it's like important for listeners too, to even know there are weight inclusive dietitians because yeah, I don't even yes. think that before like coming upon you and a couple other people in this field, I think most of us have been fearful of what a dietitian would do or like being judged. So well, it's good to be so. on alert. Yeah. 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 And rightly so. Um, yeah. And I, I'll, um, so there are, there are a couple of organizations out there, um, that you can, you know, go to their website and they, they can help connect you to. So the association for size, diversity and health, which I'll disclose I'm a, I'm a member of, um, but they are really, they're, um, they're a fantastic organization, um, and, and doing a lot of work, um, around social justice and health justice and inclusive care. Um, so on their website, they actually do have a provider list. Um, and so you can go, you know, by state and find a provider. Um, there is also on, um, I believe on Linda Bacon's website. So Linda Bacon is a, a world-renowned researcher, um, on weight science, but, um, on Linda's website there, there also is a list of, um, providers who have kind of taken the health at every size weight inclusive pledge. Um, so that would be a, you know, another resource. Um, yeah. So I think number one, just knowing that there are weight inclusive dietitians out there is, is phenomenal. Um, and really helpful. And hopefully those two, those two resources, um, can be of help. I would also say eating disorder, registered dietitian and professionals. Um, so that's an organization that, that is, you know, for, for professionals, but it, um, that would be another good place to reach out to, to try to find a provider as well. I'm not sure if they have a provider list yet, but that'd be a good idea for them. Um, but yeah, so reaching out, reaching out to them. Um, and I, I, I think it's important, um, you know, if a person is able to, to really express what they need. And, and my hope is that a provider, if they're not able to, um, provide that, that they will tell the person that like, Hey, I'm not a good fit. Um, you know, and and they may, they may be willing to try to help them find a good fit. Um, I think unfortunately a lot of times people, again, it goes back to the money. They're just like, Oh yeah. Like, I'll work with you just because you're another client, you know, you're another, um, another chunk of money or, you know, whatever income that's coming in. Um, and I think as providers, we really have to check ourselves around that, um, that we're not going to be the best fit for everybody. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, that would be my, my hope for providers, but I, you know, finding somebody who, who truly like listens, who actively listens. Um, I, a lot of times I would say it's more helpful if the client is doing more of the talking than the provider. Um, you know, and there, there are pieces, there are times when there's going to be, you know, some education and the you know provider like myself may be doing some talking, but, um, you know, really giving, giving that space for our clients to, to communicate and express what they need to express. Um, I think providing informed consent and full disclosure is so important. Um, and so again, it's, if, if you're, you know, if a person is like, I, I feel like they're hiding something, you know, then that that's kind of one of those red flags if they're not providing that full disclosure on the treatment that they provide and, and whatnot. 
Um, I think another thing that, um, that is really important is that a provider, the dietitian sees the client as the expert of their own body and not vice versa. Um, and that's, you know, that goes back to the way that I was trained, um, really created this idea that healthcare providers are the experts on bodies. And that's, that's not true. Like we, yes, we have a lot of knowledge around physiology and how human bodies function, but we don't live in our client's body. Our client lives in their body. And so they're really the expert on on what goes on. Um, and really like our job as a provider, my job is to, to help, um, a client kind of discover that if, if they're, you know, if they're not able to recognize that anymore. Um, or they're not able to kind of tap into that internal wisdom to be able to help them do that. Um, I also think it's helpful, and I, you know, this is a question that I, I ask my own providers, um, is like, what work are they doing to challenge and examine, you know, their own privileges and their own biases mm-hmm. as a provider? Um, and that, um, yeah, that's that's a really important question. I say I would ask, um, and I you know, a lot of my clients ask, which I appreciate. Um, and I think it's really important. So I think that can, that can give a little bit more of a, um, indicator that, you know, they are doing their own work, um, to be as inclusive as they can. That's incredible. I'm going to start asking everyone I meet that question. That's just a really (laughs) good question. Red flag if they freak out and they can't answer that. Those are great tips. I will say, like, just be prepared. Um, <laughs> you, there may be some, like, silence are really <laughs> and, and that's your answer. Like, that's like, okay, moving okay. on. Got it. Or either, yeah. or they'll be like, I don't know, but great question. That's probably someone to keep talking to. Um, yeah. I yeah. love what you said about people being experts on their own bodies. I mean, what a radical idea. Because not only are you saying, yeah, I have knowledge and I can give you information and help you along. But you're, this is your body and it's so empowering to decide that you know it best and get in touch with it. And the goal is like a long-term relationship that you build that's healthy with yourself as opposed to me just sort of dogmatically pushing stuff on you. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so I know too, like from myself, I'm sure so many people can relate that I grew up in a house where my mom really didn't put weight pressure on me beyond what she was putting on herself. And I saw her behaviors. I saw her relationship with health and food and some of it wasn't healthy. And I wonder like when I have a kid, what I'll do and how I approach it. And I wonder if there's any sort of overall advice you give for parents who want to raise kids and maybe have their their own strained relationship with their health or their bodies and don't want to pass that on and, um, you know, want their kids to have healthier approaches. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I, I can speak to this cause I'm a parent also. So, um, so I, I know, um, I'm, I'm there, I'm there with those other parents. Um, you know, and I think it's, I think as parents, you know, the, if, if we're at least recognizing that, you know, our own relationship with food and our body is, you know, it's like, eh, there's, there's some stuff there. There's some issues there. Um, I think just that awareness is really helpful. Um, 
I mean, I, th- I think that awareness is helpful, um, you know, anyways, but especially when we have kids and, um, and so like, you know, if you're, if you can just become more aware of what your relationship, you know, as a parent, what your relationship with food and what your relationship with your body is, um, then that, that's a really good, good starting place. Um, and I, you know, I, at least in, in my house, and, and this is what I, I promote, you know, really celebrating body diversity. Um, like, because that, that exists, um, even though, you know, our world tries to not make it exist, um, but really celebrating body diversity, um, and just, you know, appreciating bodies, um, and humans. Um, and like, yeah, and, yeah, you know, as a dietitian, like I, I do a lot of work around, around food. And so it's, um, you know, having, um, kind of looking at, at foods through a more neutral lens. So not, you know, not demonizing food, not, not, um, not really labeling foods as like good or bad, um, you know, as they're wrapped up like in our self-worth. So really trying to, um, to just kind of model that, um, for our kids. Um, and yeah, I mean, our kids, like they pick up on, on so many things, um, that I think we as parents don't even realize, um, our fellow humans don't even realize, you know, as adults. Um, so yeah, so a lot of it's like kind of doing our own work and, and then our, you know, our kids will, um, you know, that, that will affect our kids, um, and be passed down, you know, in a positive way to our kids. Um, I, I think, you know, one thing that, you know, in thinking about like my own experience, um, you know, as, as a human, um, and then, you know, the things that I've learned from my colleagues, which a lot of my colleagues are therapists. Um, but I think really what a lot of it, what it comes down to is really validating our kids, um, and, and kids in general, um, emotions and, you know, providing that space for them to be able to express what they're feeling, um, and express their thoughts without judgment. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, a lot of times that's really where, where that, the issues around body, um, and that dysfunctional relationship around food comes in, it becomes a coping mechanism. And it's, it's because, you know, we have either learned or been conditioned that, you know, we're not supposed to, or we're not allowed to like feel these really difficult or, you know, uncomfortable emotions. And, um, and so really like if we get a lot deeper, it's just, you know, validating kids. If, you know, when they cry, they cry, that's expressing emotion. That's not a bad thing. Um, and so like giving them that space to do it, um, and yeah, so I mean, I, I, a lot of it, I would say comes down to that. Um, mm-hmm. I think also, you know, teaching them, um, about consent, um, and body respect and their body autonomy. Um, and again, you know, it goes back to like, they're the experts of their body. They're the owners of their body. Nobody else is. Um, and, and yeah, so, I mean, I think it can, it, it, transcends beyond, um, you know, even our, our talk around, around food and nutrition, but really just about bodies and our consent and our emotions and, and all of those things. Um, and, and another thing I, I often tell, I have, you know, a couple of clients, um, and they've had a couple of clients that, you know, are working through their own relationship with their body and food. And they, you know, they have that worry that, you know, their experiences, like their kids are going to have very similar, like really hard experiences. And what I remind them is like the fact that 
that they are doing that work, the fact, um, you know, that, that we are doing this work to try to change it. Like that's gonna, that's gonna change things for the better. It's, it's not going to resolve like everything because we, we just don't live in a perfect world like that. Um, but it, it definitely is going to, to continue to change things from generation to generation in a positive way. So, um, yeah. So a lot of it starts with, with us as adults kind of checking in, um, and again, checking in compassionately, like being compassionate with ourselves, Mm -hmm. um, and being, and having that non-judgmental awareness. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That seems like the work of a lifetime and it's so valuable to just like unpack the judgments we put on ourselves and others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to wrap up, I had a few questions that I feel like you've already addressed brilliantly. I feel like I know the answer now that I have such a better (laughs) approach to food and health right now. Um, I feel like unless I am wrong, we shouldn't all be going keto, uh, right now. And, um, I just see like a lot of people doing that as like the health solution. But from what I'm understanding from you, like there's no catch all, like this is the golden ticket. You found the solution. Everyone was hiding it from you and now all your problems are solved. So (laughs) I hope people (laughs) listening understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and, and even if they're, you know, a person is following keto or, you know, some certain type of diet, um, again, like hopefully the message is like that they're not being judged for having done that because Mm -hmm, it makes mm -hmm. sense, you know, it makes sense with the culture that we live in. Um, and, and, and they, they do, you know, and we each have our own right and what we decide to do with our own body. Um, so, I mean, so yes, it's like, um, you know, I don't, I don't judge and I don't think it's helpful to judge, um, individuals for, for what they may do. Um, and I will say though, that I think it's really important that, you know, we have that full disclosure and informed consent. So, you know, if before starting keto, like maybe, maybe find out a little bit more information about, you know, kind of uh, all of the perspectives around that type of, um, kind of diet or, lifestyle, quote unquote lifestyle, whatever people uh, may call it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, um, again, they have that autonomy, but I, I really think it's important to have all the information too, before going into it. Cause there can be a lot of really like not so great side effects from, um, from following kind of those magic, um, quote unquote magic solutions are kind of like easy, uh, instant, um, solutions. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, I think like the second personally that I start to go back to what you're talking about, like respecting my body, thinking about the long term and like my relationship with myself, I think I make make a little bit of a better decision. I start to be less judgmental and I think a little more like big picture. Yeah. Um, So this has been so informative and amazing. And because I followed you on Instagram, I want to just shout that out. That was like such an amazing resource with so many interesting, you post like research that you're reading and and quotes and stuff that I find so fascinating. So what is the handle and where can people find you in general if they want um, more of your of your expertise? Sure. Yeah. So on Instagram, um, people can find me at, at Bethany dietitian. Um, and then I, so I, my private practice, um, has a website as well. And I have, um, a whole resources page on, on my website too. Um, and my, so my website is bwheelernutrition.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This was really great. 
You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure and, and so much fun. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.